everybody. Hope you're doing well, having a wonderful time. Haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. And so I've been messing around a little bit and goofing off with family, and that's been kind of fun. But I, I was just overwhelmed in worship, I think, tonight just with the, the presence of the Lord and I think being gone for a couple of weeks and then coming back in here and just being able to worship him and all those baptisms. Wasn't that amazing? I just, I see those lives and so many young people, you know. Uh, we had this one little guy, I don't know if you noticed, one of the, the smallest, probably one of the youngest guys there. Uh, we always ask, Pastor Brent and I ask, why are you being baptized today? And everyone had a different answer, and it was just amazing listening to all the answers. But I'll, I'll remember his forever, I don't know why, but he just looked up and kind of shook his head like this, and he said, you know, I'm just throwing my whole life in with God. <laughs> I'm, I'm just throwing my whole life in with God. Like, now let's get on with it. <laughs> really, really powerful. And uh, those are the kinds of things that just uh, touch your heart. You guys, thank you. I appreciated what Pastor Scott said about, in his prayer, about being a church that, that embraces uh, people who are new to faith and people who have a lot of questions and people who don't have a, a long experience journey with God. There are a lot of people who are experimenting with a lot of different roads right now. And... I think you can find Jesus is looking for everybody on any road. Do you believe that? It doesn't mean all roads will lead to heaven, but it means he's on every road trying to get the truth in them. And I think that's where we're at as a church. And so thank you for doing that. Well, let's talk a little bit. Um, I'm excited about this message. If you turn your program over to the back, you can follow along on an outline that I've built there. It's called Flight for Life. Now, let's just, let's just take a little random survey here. How many of you, if I would have just said, and you didn't see this picture up here, if I would have just said flight for life, that's the image you would have had. It's usually a helicopter, and it's usually sitting on top of a hospital, or it's flying somewhere. And how many of you, just out of curiosity, have any of you either been on board as staff, or you had to take a flight on a helicopter, flight for life? Anybody? Wait, wave at me. Look at that. Quite a few of you have. Wow. Come up here. Tell us what it was about. No. <laughs> wow. That was more than I thought it would be. We're glad you're okay. How many of you believe that you did, that just raised your hand? It, it probably saved your life. Wave your hand at me. A few, a couple of you. A couple. Oh, wow. That's just tremendous. That's that's why we've called it this. Is because God did something that saved our lives. And when when flight for life is called, it means it's urgent. It means death is potentially imminent. It means that. There's probably nothing else we can do right here, right now. We've got to get this person to greater care. A helicopter is equipped with the right stuff. The crew on board all have a job. They know what they are doing. We have some technicians in our church who, who fly on these Flight for Life helicopters, and it's amazing what they know and the speed at which they can do it. Now listen carefully. In Exodus chapter 12, which is where we're going in our series, the story of the Israelites takes kind of a little twist. Death is going to come upon the Egyptians. We've been talking about this for weeks. They've been suffering. They've been tormented. The Pharaoh is rebellious against God. He's, he's made them do more. He's made them work harder. They've been slaves for over 400 years. It's, it's just terrible what they have faced. And God is saying it is enough. Pharaoh has has absolutely refused to heed the warnings of God through Moses and Aaron, and now God is going to take matters into his own hands. And sometimes God does that. God gives exact instructions to Moses about what the Israelites are to do in order to escape this judgment. Now, how many of you have heard of the word Passover? 
This is where it all begins. So if you wonder how that language is used today in the different contexts in which we use it, it started right here in Exodus 12. It basically means that death will pass over all of the homes that have the blood of the lamb put on the doorposts of their homes. Now, for those of you who haven't really read the Old Testament or been around church long, this just sounds crazy, I know, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But this is what God required. Some of this I understand and some of it I don't. All this sacrificing of animals and death of the firstborn, um, blood smeared on your house, the details of how, you, how to cook dinner, how to prepare dinner, and even how to eat dinner. If you read the whole chapter, you'll just be amazed at the details that are in there that God is requiring the Israelites. But here's the point. God does stuff sometimes that you're not going to fully understand because he's fully God. And sometimes the requirements of God are different than what we would think or what we would want them to be. The plan of God is so big that this Passover moment would come into full circle with Jesus coming to this earth. John the Baptist looks up and says, Behold the Lamb of God. He knew from knowing what was happening in Exodus 12 that Jesus would become the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb who would die on the cross in order to atone, spiritual word means take your place, for our sins. Because Jesus had no sin, he could atone for the sins of the world. No one else could ever do that. So that's a simplistic form of explaining what's about to happen, but I think we needed that as an introduction to kind of move forward with this outline. Now the first thing in your notes is this. There is life in the blood. Now, we're going to talk about the blood here for a little bit this evening, and so I hope you won't be too disturbed by that. We're going to talk about it in the, in the best sense of the word possible. But I grew up in church. How many of you grew up singing about the blood? And I, I can still remember some of those times when I would be a kid just singing because I'd memorized the song, but I really wasn't thinking about the words. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm singing stuff about this blood, and I'm thinking, why am I singing? Why are we singing at church about blood? This is kind of gross. Songs like, are you washed in the blood? Well, I hope not. But then I hope so, knowing what it means now. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? How do you know that song? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? <laughs> Covered by the blood? No, don't clap. I have more. I have more. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Who can make us whole again? There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. I mean, there's all these songs about the blood, and, and I, as a kid, all these songs were just a part of me. And, and you sing them, and you think, why are people writing songs about the blood? Exodus 12, and Jesus coming to this earth, and his blood being offered, atoning for our sin. I've, I've done a lot of reading on blood this week, and I found out there's O positive, there's B positive, which is my type, which I'm really proud of. I'm glad I'm not B negative. If you're B-negative, I don't want to know you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
There's AB positive, O negative, AB negative. There's all these different kinds of blood. Then, then there's like these little strands that people have completely different blood types based on some weird thing that happened in, in their blood. And it's just amazing. If you're a medical doctor, I just can't imagine what it must have been like just learning about blood itself. It's just it's a phenomenal thing. I remember as a kid, what I knew about blood was making a blood covenant with your best buddy. How many of you did that? You actually poked your finger and you mingle it with the blood of your friend. How ridiculous is that? I think now of doing that, I did that with three people, but no girls. <laughs> I just think about what that was like to, to think mingling your blood. That's very dangerous these days. Do not do that. But I, I just think about that. I think about God choosing blood because he created us with our life being carried by the blood in our bodies. Without blood, we have no life in these bodies. All of our organs need blood to survive. I'm not a medical doctor, but most of us have learned that if you lose blood bringing oxygen to your brain, you're going to die. If your heart stops pumping blood to your body, you're going to die. And it doesn't take very long. And so it's no wonder that we talk about life-giving blood. There's life in this blood. It's significant that God would choose this. The second thing in your outline is the God of rescue. What does it mean for us to serve a God who is going to bring his judgment on, on people who well deserve it and yet redeem his people and give them a way out? Verse 23 of Exodus 12, if you're following along. For the Lord will pass through the land and strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over, there it is, your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Remember, these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. That must have been quite a moment of relief, knowing that the judgment of God was going to come. But because of the blood of the lambs on the doorposts of their homes, they would not be killed. They would not suffer. God was making a way for escape from the judgment he was sending. You know, some of the Old Testament stuff, when you read it, you have to just take it as a fact. This is what happened. This is what God required. And we don't live in that era anymore. But there are still some takeaways from some great Old Testament stories. And so I started thinking, what are some of the takeaways of this passage that we just looked at, as odd as it is? And I, I wrote down a couple things, and I just want to share them with you. And I want you to think about this with me. And they deal with rescue. What, what is this God of rescue? I think rescue often comes to our lives from sheer obedience. If you, if you will obey certain rules and certain laws, certain demands on your life, for your safety and other things, you will be rescued from many despairing things that can come up on your life and into your life. Just obedience. 
God said, do this exactly. And if they did it exactly and they did what God said, they would be delivered. I just think about sometimes if I walk in obedience at the level I want to with God. And if I, if I spare myself pain because of obedience and how much you spare yourself pain because of your obedience in walking with God. Obeying warnings for, I think of this time last summer, how many people were evacuated from their homes because of the fires that were eating up Colorado and the people who didn't evacuate and some of the harm that potentially could come. And you start thinking about just, just the rescue of obedience and doing what I'm supposed to do, hurricanes, tornadoes. Even if it doesn't make sense to you, if someone's teaching you how to um, disarm a bomb and there's five colored of wires and you're going to cut the ones, how many of you would listen to what they say if they know what they're doing and they say, do it in this order or you will die? You're going to pay attention. And that's what obedience does in our lives. It releases blessing from God and deliverance from God in our lives. Another thing I saw here is that rescue can be passed down through generations. I love the part of the text where it says, your kids are gonna say, why are we doing this? And you're gonna say, this is the Passover celebration. And we were back in Egypt and you wouldn't believe it, honey, what happened back there. And we were enslaved and God rescued us. And this is what we had to do. And that's why we're doing it. We want you to know that obeying God and doing what he asks you to do is the way for you to have freedom. What are some of the things that you've learned in your lifetime that you can pass down to young people? Young people, who is in your world right now that you're listening to, that you're asking to mentor you, that can encourage you, that can take you places you haven't yet been? Learn from your family members. Learn from your friends. Learn from people who know stuff you don't know. I also just wrote down that rescue should be celebrated. Um, it, it's fascinating that they fell down to the ground, which is a sign of surrender, and they worshiped God, just, just for the news of being rescued. And I, I, knowing that I would be talking about this this whole weekend, I just found myself standing over here in worship earlier, just so moved, so moved by the presence of God to think, am I living my life with gratitude at such a level that when I worship, I'm not just trying to finish a song. I'm not just trying to kill 20 minutes. But I'm, I'm opening my life up to say, God, thank you. I do worship you. You are an amazing God. Am I living these songs? I, I pray that this will grip you. The next time you're in corporate worship, that, that those songs you sing, or this week when you're listening to the music that, that edifies your spirit, that you'll be moved by the Spirit of God to say, thank you, God, that you have redeemed me that you have passed over, that you have forgiven my sin, that we will never lose the awe of that. I fear sometimes we just sort of put Jesus in the grocery cart and we just take him around with us and he's, he's an add-on and he wants to be so much more than that. I hope you can hear my heart in that. Be grateful for your flight for life. The Lord has saved our lives. And then I think of the third part of this where it's, it's kind of tough what happens, but, but we're gonna deal with it. The third thing is this, every action has a consequence. Every action has a consequence. Now in this case, it's a, it's a tough consequence and the Egyptians are gonna die, many of them. But sometimes our actions bring good consequences, right? So this is a tough one, verse 28. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded them through Moses and Aaron, that's the obedience. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon, even the firstborn 
of the livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all of his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night. Loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Wow. Can you imagine? I just can't even imagine that. This, this is truly the judgment of God coming upon the Egyptians. There is no other way to say it. God had had enough, and he was bringing his judgment. And, and it's kind of confusing when you think of that. You think of Jesus and how loving and kind. You think of God of the Old Testament. You read some of these passages. I don't understand God. He wiped, he's wiped people out, nations out. You know, why do you tell Noah to build an ark and bring a flood to start over? It's, it's just it's hard for us to comprehend. But I want to tell you something. Um, there are consequences to every action that I have in my life. And it, it, there's an old King James word. I'm going to use it, okay? It behooves us. Do you know that word? Compels us to pay attention to what God is asking of us. Because in sugar daddy world, where God just becomes the guy who gives us stuff, he still has big expectations of obedience and there are consequences when we don't obey. Now the Pharaoh has led Egypt with total polytheism, which is many gods. They worship many gods. I mean, I read accounts this week of I mean, it was gross what they did in idol worship, in sacrificing, even human sacrifice. It, it was horrible. I don't think God could look at it. He was just done with it. He said, I'm sick of this. And, and the Pharaoh lost respect and fear of God. And he taught people not to fear the one true God. And Moses and Aaron tried to warn him, all the plagues, we've been going through these plagues. And you'd think the Pharaoh would get it, but he didn't get it. His heart was hardened. And you think about that and how that happens and how that ties in to our lives. And it, it makes me want to really pray for everyone who leads anything, especially nations. Because national leaders and people who represent you and me and you and your world and the people you lead, it matters what we teach people who are following our leadership, right? And boy, there was, there was a payment that had to be made. What are some lessons that we can take away from this kind of thing. And I, I would say one of them right away that I would say is maintain your healthy fear of God. Not phobia like scared to death that God's going to kill you, but recognizing that God is big and, and he has ultimate power over everything in the world. And don't lose that respect for God, that fear for God in, a, in the right sense of the word. I would say another takeaway is that I never want to, have you ever heard the word, you know, walk on grace or spit on grace? It means that you just take it for granted, that you don't really care, you don't appreciate it anymore. I never want to spit on the grace that God has given me. I never want to take for granted. I never want to assume on that grace. Pharaoh just thought life would go back to normal. And, and because of that, he paid for it. He suffered because of it. I don't want you to have to suffer because you're not paying attention to the consequences and the potential consequences of stuff going on in our lives. I, I even, for me, this week, I said, I want to figure out who I'm really worshiping. Am I really worshiping God, the one true God? Do, does my life show that? Is there fruit in my life that says, yes, I'm following God? Time, talent, treasure. Where am I giving my time, my treasure, my talents? Am I truly pursuing this? Because I think people make idols out of things they don't know are idols. But if you look at those three characteristics in your life, time, talent, treasure, and you do the math to say, that's what you're really following. That's what you're making your God. And so it's important, it's imperative for us to say, God, search my heart. See if I'm paying attention to this. 
God gives us warnings, and I want to pay attention to the warnings. That's another one I would say that's a takeaway. How many times did Moses say, let my people go? And Pharaoh was like, okay, no, I guess not. Okay, no, I guess not. And, and God just finally had had enough. And I think there's, there's, a, there's a lesson here for you and me to say, where am I going to live? How am I going to live? Am I going to get both feet in that flow with God and I'm going to really make my life count? Or am I going to sort of live with one foot over here doing the stuff I want selfishly in the world and try to play the God thing over here? When am I going to make a, a wholehearted decision to say, I'm throwing my whole life in with God like that little boy said? That's powerful to me. That's what I want. How does God send warnings to you? Like, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but just you know that God, you know, put a bomb over the bow of your life to say, okay, uh, pay attention. It might be someone that loves you coming to you and saying, but that's, that's not the attitude that is honoring to God, or you're, you're turning into someone that's really like this and this and this. Um, that can happen in our lives, or, you know, our bodies give us warnings. You have a cavity, maybe. Maybe you're not eating right or taking care of your teeth. And all the dentists said amen. Yeah. Yeah. Your body can tell you, you know, all of a sudden those pants shrunk. I don't know what happened to them. But size 34 is much, much smaller than it used to be. You know? Your body talks to you. There are warning signs of different things in our lives that we let go. And I think when we put that into spiritual, a spiritual connotation, God is faithful. You guys, God wants to talk to you. He wants to be personally engaged in your life. He wants you to understand that he's, he's given you direction and discernment. That's why the New Testament teaches us to walk in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, but we walk in the Spirit. We have, and I don't mean it's some fickle, oh, do I turn left or right, or God, where are you? Oh, should I pick it up with my right hand or my left hand? It's not that. It's discerning truth and walking in it. It's that warning you get when your eyes gaze too long on something they shouldn't gaze on. It's that warning in your heart when you let greed start to sink in and God says, wait a minute, that's greed. Don't do, don't covet after that. All these things we need to be purged from our lives and from our bodies. The last thing that we're celebrating in this weekend is, is this. Number four, the ultimate sacrifice is Jesus. That's that's what Exodus 12 is all about, is we get to live now rather than then. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, well, kind of. At least it would already be over if we'd live back there. We could have challenging days ahead. But I love this Hebrews 9. Hebrews, if you want to just do an interesting study, Exodus 12, and then go back to like Hebrews 8, 9, and 10, and just, just read them. It'll be a great deal for you this week. I'm just going to pull out a few verses of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. Under the old system... The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of young, a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. This is the heartbeat 
of what Passover means for you and me. When we believe on Jesus, we no longer sacrifice a lamb because the lamb of God, Jesus, was sacrificed for our sin and his blood was found sufficient for forgiveness of all sin in mankind. Praise God for that. I'm thankful for that. He has the power. He has provided, truly, a flight for life. God is a God of covenant, and he empowers us to become people of covenant. Now, here's one more thing I want to say before we pray about this idea of covenant. When this happened, and you, you walk in faith with Jesus, and you say, I'm in, and I trust God for the forgiveness of my sins, it means that your DNA, that blood transfusion, that new creation in Christ now has the capacity to do covenant properly. You can be faithful to your spouse. You, you have the potential through the strength of the Spirit to overcome sin and addiction. I want you to know that, and I want you to believe that. Because when people buy the lie that says, I just can't help it, it's a lie. The covenant God made with us empowers us to be able to walk with God in truth and grace and learning as we go. When we say, I'm sorry, I feel that sense, I want to go this direction and God will lead you and guide. You can be a loyal friend. You can be consistent in your family. You can overcome the anger issues in your life. God can help lead you. You can somehow show respect for others, and you can earn respect in return by how you live, and you can be led by the Holy Spirit to walk in truth, the truth of God, and you can bring God that smile for all those things that he's doing in your life. I have a, a picture of a guy named Rob that's going to come on the screen. It's a, it's a fascinating story. This is Rob Veach, and, you know, two-year-old, two-year-olds typically get colds and fevers and take the routine trip to the clinic. But there was a little girl named Julia that they thought was just kind of a respiratory problem. They found some swollen uh, lymph nodes. They began to look farther. They found out that it truly was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And here's this two-and-a-half-year-old girl who needed blood and needed platelets. And Rob, his blood matched. And so he began to donate his blood. And as he recalls, he said, I'd been a frequent whole blood donor for a while, so I already knew the importance of donated blood, but now I'm donating platelets to save Julia's life. During Julia's course of treatment, there were five or six times she needed platelets and transfusions for certain regiments of chemotherapy that knocked her counts way down. And Rob was faithful to provide those. And, and now I can just say that she's a teenager. She's been five years free, diagnosed without cancer, because someone's blood helped her. And by the way, the cool thing about this is Rob is Julia's dad. And he went through this with her together. And a father's sacrifice by donating blood and platelets so that his daughter could have life. You had a blood disease called sin. Your father, your heavenly father, gave his son Jesus. And Jesus gave his blood, which was a match for the requirement. So that you could be called his child, his son, his daughter. Let's live like we appreciate that.
And let's live with gusto, the gusto that God and the Spirit gives us to live. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for, as weird as it is to talk about blood, thank you that your sacrifice was enough, that you paid the price so that we no longer have to sacrifice animals for forgiveness in a ceremony, but we can truly lean on you in faith and claim the promises that you gave us and trust that your blood satisfied the need of a righteous God. Lord, thank you for doing that. With heads bowed, God wants a relationship with you. And as odd as it might seem to talk about all this, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, I'm just gonna pray with you right now. I'm just gonna invite you to give me a moment, give God a moment to say, have you thought much about eternity? Have you thought much about who you're living your life for? It really matters. And I'm not doing this to get a perk or a, a feel good, it's, it's you. Your life is in the balance, not mine. I've made that decision. And it's just an opportunity in a setting like this to say, yeah, I wanna make that decision too. I wanna follow Christ. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna throw my whole life in with God. If, if you just wanna say that, you need a fresh start, you wanna trust the sacrifice of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Would you just lift a hand and look at me right up here, please? Just, I just wanna pray for you. God bless you, thank you, thank you. Okay. It's a great moment. Church, this is, this, is, this is one of those moments we need to really celebrate and thank God for people responding to the Spirit working in their hearts. It's why we exist, isn't it? So pray with me. And I want you who have lifted your hands to just pray this prayer from your heart. It doesn't have to be these exact words, but let your heart mean what you're saying. Lord, I trust you that you laid down your life and became the, the Lamb of God, sacrificing your life on that cross so that I could by faith pray this prayer and believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead and that I have life because of your sacrifice. I give you my future today, tonight, right here, right now. I give it to you fully and I trust you. I ask for that cleansing and that forgiveness and I'm gonna hold on to it by faith and I'm gonna walk with you the rest of my life. I wanna pray for some of you who need to be rescued. And I really, I really thought about this and I don't know what all it means, but because we're talking about the God of rescue, God made a way. And, and some, some of you it might be that God's gonna give you a plan and you're gonna obey it. Others of you it could be a supernatural miracle of rescue that God does, because God still does that today. So if you need rescued, and, and it might not be some desperate thing, life and death, but, but that resonates with you. I need God's help here. I need him to give me a plan or to bring me out of this situation that I'm in, because I don't have another answer. I want you to just lift your hand to God right now, not to me, but to God. Just say, God, I'm, I'm in for that. I need you to rescue this situation, okay? Jesus, we as a body gather around brothers and sisters who love you and are committed to you and are saying right now they need you. They need you to bring deliverance. They need you, God, to, to show up in a way that maybe you never have before in their life, whether it's through a friend to give wisdom and guidance and they just need to obey, whether it's the word of God that they'll be reading and they will obey it, or whether it's a divine revelation to their own mind and heart, or simply your work, your favor, 
and supernaturally doing something that surprises all of us. We trust you. We lay this into your hands. We lay it into your hands. Lastly, I felt compelled to pray with people who need to be at peace with someone. It's just a relationship thing, but, but I pray about what I, what I put on this to pray with you about, and I felt like because of covenant, because of the covenant we have with God, I just, if you're out of covenant with someone that, that you should not be out of covenant with, I would love to just have a prayer over you. If that resonates with you, would you just slip up a hand to God? Lord, you know the whole story. And you care about it. And so in these moments like this, I pray that you'll prepare the hearts on this end of the stick. We might not be able to make anything happen, but we'll be ready if the opportunity comes. So deal with us about what we need to be prepared for in this relationship that's gone awry. And lead us forward at the level that you can with them. I give this to you, Lord. We thank you and we trust you in your, your amazing and wonderful name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And it's so fun. Praise one more time. Lord, we love you. We worship you, God. You're a mighty God. Mighty God. You guys, lots of tables out there. If you're a guest and have questions, go ask questions. Our prayer team is coming right now. We would love to just spend a moment praying with you about whatever need you might have. So come on up and let us do that. Otherwise, the service starts now. God bless you. Go make a difference.